There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the Word. I'm a doer of the Word. This Word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind Hallelujah. Remain standing. Go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. Keep calm and bounce back. I think this is going to be good for you today. I said, I think this is going to be good for you today. Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because he had to deal with a lot of jacked up, messed up stuff. And so even though he was doing what God called him to do, it wasn't easy for him to do. Just because it's God's will doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to take away the level of difficulty that something poses or possesses. But just say, I've been graced for this. Right. See, the stuff that other people would cry about, you just walking through it. And they're trying to figure out how you walk into it is because you've been graced to handle this. Jeremiah chapter 29. I want you to get to verse number 10. Everyone is standing. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 10. Let's read this together. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work toward you and cause you to return to this place. Wait a minute, stop, Harvest. Look at me. God says, uh, for 70 years, you're going to be in a setback. And you're going to be in that setback in a place called confusion. That's what Babylon means. He says, but after that time, I'll figure that what I needed to accomplish in you through your setback will be done. All the stuff that needed to fall off of you will have fallen off. All the people that needed to fall off will have left. All the, all the drama and all the stuff up in you and the generational curse and all that, all that will be gone. But God says, it's going to take me about 70 years to get that done with you. So his word to them, he says, after 70 years, I'm going to come visit you. And then look, you know verse 11, Jeremiah 29, 11, but you just need to know 10 because 11 doesn't mean anything without 10. You know 11, put up 11, here it is. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. See, this church folk like to shout out for that, but you need to shout out for 10 because 10 is him telling you, I'm going to leave you in your setback for a while because I need to get all the mess up out of you that the only way to get it out of you is through your setback. See, I want to talk to the folk today that where you ain't crying about it no more. You shouting about your setback because your setback is setting you up. You, you ain't crying about who left. You shouting, thank you, Jesus, because they showed me I needed to work on me. I'm not crying about what I don't. 
He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil or contrary toward you, to give you a future and a hope. But check it out. There is no future and there is no hope unless there's verse 10. And verse 10 says that I'm giving you a setback. But you need to know it's a setup. God, I wish I had a church in here. Introduce the message. Touch somebody and say, neighbor, your setback is really a setup. Let me try this section. Y'all talk to me. Say, my setback was really my setup. That's pretty good. Let me try the middle section. Say, my setback was really my setup. Now, come on, old faithful. Y'all better come on here. Let me try this section. Come on, you say it. My setback was really my setup. Father, I decrease that you might increase. Speak to us now that we might move and walk in those things that you have ordained. And we bless you for it now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Throughout the teaching, uh, you can tweet me at Bishop Foreman or at Harvest underscore C underscore CC using the hashtag right there, hashtag bounce back. There it is. Uh, throughout this message series, we've discovered that we all encounter setbacks. Say everybody. everybody. Now, now, now say it like you're from the South. Say everybody. everybody. I don't care if you're the pastor. I don't care if you're the plumber. I don't care if you're the worst sinner up in here or if you're the most holy thinking person in here. Everybody's going to encounter a setback. Now watch this. Uh, some of no fault of our own and some are a direct result of the choices we've made and when we started this series we started talking about the greatest bounce bounce ever which was Jesus and his resurrection then we talked about how to engineer a bounce back then we talked about how to engineer a financial bounce back then we talked about the fact that you're really under construction and construction sites sometimes look messy touch the neighbor say don't judge me then we talked about how to bounce back when your plans don't pan out. And last weekend, the vice chairman came in and taught us about how to say deuces and how to bounce back with the right perspective. So now with two messages left in this series, I want you fully equipped in this season of your bounce back. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 29, we see that Judah, which means praise, is about to enter a setback. Watch this. That means even if you're very spiritual to yourself, uh, you may still experience setbacks. Even if you pray 17 times a day you may still experience setbacks. Do not think that spirituality exempts you from setbacks. Watch this, but don't ever think you're going to make it through a setback without spirituality. You missed what I just said. I don't think that spirituality exempts you from a setback, but don't think you're going to make it through your setback without spirituality. See, the reason I can sit up here and praise God today, you know why? It's because my spirituality tells me that no matter what's going on around me, everything is working together for my good. My spirituality tells me that he makes all things good in their time. He makes everything beautiful in its time. My spirituality tells me that there is a season and a purpose for everything under heaven. My spirit Spirituality is what gets me through my setback, but it doesn't exempt me from them. Now, watch this. In Jeremiah 29, Judah, praise, is about to enter in a setback. Now, Jeremiah, the man of God, warns them that due to their unfaithfulness to God, their unfaithfulness to his church, and their unwillingness to follow his word, that they're going to face a 70-year setback. Now, some setbacks choose us, but there's no need to have a setback that we choose willingly because of our willing disobedience to not follow the word of God or our choice to not heed uh, wise counsel. An example. Let me give you an example. It's amazing how you can pray for God to answer a prayer. You then come to church, hear a message that answers your prayer. 
and then you still choose to ignore like you heard the message. Look, I'll make you another example. You can ask God to show you something. Lord, show me if so-and-so is really for me. Show me if this is really that. Show me if that. And then he shows you. But then you can choose to ignore it, and that can create unnecessary setbacks that you choose. See, there are some setbacks that choose you. You don't have a say in the matter. But there are other setbacks that we choose. And, and I need to make an announcement before I go any further, because I'll stop right here if I don't have the atmosphere right. I think there are some people in here that say, I realize there's some that choose me. I can't do nothing about that. But the setbacks I've been choosing for myself, I'm not having those another day of my life. This atmosphere ain't right. I can sit down right now. I'm going to try one more time. I need to talk to the folk that, do you understand, it's some stuff you don't have no say in. But there's some things that you should be sick and tired of being sick and tired about. I'm sick and tired of this same setback over and over and over and over. I'm not choosing this anymore. I tell you to high five somebody and say, stop choosing that mess. All right, I'll work with this atmosphere. If it don't get turned up another further, I'm going to just sit down. God was clear that for 70 years, Judah was going to be subdued by the Babylonians. Can you imagine being told you're getting ready to enter into a 70-year setback? That's why Jeremiah was the weeping prophet, because he had to tell the people stuff they didn't want to hear, but it was the truth anyhow. Sometimes just because you don't want to hear the truth doesn't mean that it is the truth. I remember years ago, somebody told me, said, Bishop, my friend really loves harvest and really loves coming said They ain't learned uh, as much in, in one message from you as they learned in, in 20, 30, 40 years in church. Uh, but, but, but they said, uh, but but uh, uh, they were going through something, and they said they weren't coming to church, and I asked them why, and they said the truth is the last thing they want to hear. I said, woe unto that fool that thinks because they didn't hear it that it changes it. Just because you don't want to hear the truth doesn't mean that the truth has changed. Just because you don't want to be confronted with reality doesn't mean that reality has changed. And as long as you keep sitting up living in denial, you're going to keep on having the same experience over and over and over again. But I think there's some people in here that say, heaven no, I'm not going through that same mess again. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> they're told they're getting ready to enter into a 70-year setback. Can you be real with yourself for a few minutes? If you look over your life, look at the setbacks that didn't choose you, but you chose. Let's just be honest. You're at Harvest. You don't have to fake and, 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 and pontificate and all of that. You don't have to do all that. Now just be real. Say, I'm being real. Look at the stuff that wasn't the devil, wasn't God, wasn't your mama them, wasn't your daddy them, but was you. Look at the red flags you asked for, and you got, and you decided to put some bleach on them and say, well, no, these ain't red. Do we speak the king's English here? Can we be real? Look, look, look at, watch this, watch this. Look at the cycles of your life. If you're honest and you look at your life, you'll see cyclical patterns. You'll see, watch this, some of you, uh, when great things happen to you, you lose your mind. So right after something great happens, you, 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 you find a way to sabotage it. Right after you get an answer to a prayer, you let your guard down. So Now, I'm just, I'm just giving examples. Say, say, find the cycle. Okay, so watch this. Watch this. Imagine being the children of Israel and God saying, the only way I'm going to get this out of you, this cycle, this cyclical nature of going through the same stuff over and over and over again, is for 70 years, I got to deliver you to the Babylonians. Could you imagine what that would feel like? <laughs> could, could, could you imagine, watch this, not just being told that, 
But can you imagine being in the midst of that? It wasn't like, watch this, it didn't matter how much they cried, begged, pleaded. God's decision was, this is going to be a 70-year process. So I, I, God says, I figure it's going to take 70 years to get out of you what I need out of you. It's going to take 70 years to get you to stop thinking like a slave. It's going to take 70 years to get you to stop sabotaging yourself. It's going to take 70 years for you to realize I didn't just die for you to get out of hell. I died so that you could have life and have life more abundantly. But that's going to take 70 years. Can you imagine being the guy that has to deliver that news? But then can you imagine being the people that have to receive that news? You know they wanted to say something crazy, Jeremiah. You, you get mad when the lady on, 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 at the Excel tells you you owe them money and you got to pay them what you legitimately owe them. Well, how I use $150? Well, who measured it? You get mad when your cell phone company tells you you exceeded your data, and they got documentation to say you exceeded your data, and you sitting there giving that lady a hard time because she's trying to tell you to pay them what you owe. So imagine being Jeremiah saying, I need to tell y'all something. Uh, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord, amen. Come on, Jeremiah, give us a good word. The word is for 70 years, it's going to be uh, a setback. Jeremiah, we'd like another preacher today. Can, you, can we have a guest? <laughs> Watch this. Watch this. By definition, a setup, listen to this, is the process of making something ready to be used. Let me give it to you again. By definition, a setup is the process of making something ready to be used. So when God is announcing to the people through Jeremiah that they're going to experience a setback, simultaneously, he's announcing that it's really a setup. You missed it. He says, for 70 years, you're going you're to build in this setback. He said, but I need you to know that uh, after that 70 years has come, I'm going to come see about you and, uh, because I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. It, it's an interesting paradox because God is announcing a setback while simultaneously setting them up. He's announcing they're going to have some challenges while at the same time saying, but those challenges are for your good. He's announcing to them, you're going to go through some rough days, but at the same time, he's saying, but those rough days are going to bring about your best day. Yo, not hearing what I'm saying. He's announcing to them, you're going to have some financial difficulties, but those financial difficulties are going to teach you to appreciate the dollar. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. He's announcing to them, you're going to go through some rough relationships, but simultaneously, those rough relationships are going to teach you who to trust, who not to trust. He's announcing to them that you're going to have a setback, but simultaneously, he's announcing to them, it's really a setup. So now watch this. The setup is the process of making you ready. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to get ready. God has paid too expensive of a price for you by hanging on Calvary and giving his life to leave you average, to leave you miserable, to leave you wretched. Let me use modern vernacular, to leave you whack. So even if you're in a setback, who's in a setback right now? Go on and be honest. You at Harvest, you ain't got to lie. So even if you're a setback, what I love about being a Christian is that every setback, regardless of how it came, whether I chose it or it chose me, it's really a, be a good church, it's really a, so here it is, three things. The setback was really a setup to, number one, put you through the process. Say process. Now this probably won't get too many shouts right through here, and that's fine. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I'm not Jeremiah. I'm not going to weep. If anybody crying, it's going to be you. <laughs> I cried my last tear yesterday. Watch this. 
Jeremiah 29.5. Listen to what he says. Now, they made this announcement, you're going to have a setback. But really, simultaneously, it's a what? Setup. So look at what, look at what God says. Jeremiah 29.5 through Jeremiah. He says, build houses and dwell in them. Wait a minute, they're in a setback. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. They're in a setback. Take wives and forget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they can bear sons and daughters so that you can be increased there and not diminish. But they're in a setback. God says, but in your setback, I want to increase you. It's a setback, but simultaneously it's a. Come on. It's a setback, but simultaneously it's a. Look at verse 7. And seek the peace of the city where I'm going to cause you to be a slave. He didn't say curse the master. He said pray that the shalom, nothing missing, nothing like it, nothing broken, all is well, would be in the city I caused you to be carried a captive away for. And he said, and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you'll have peace. He said pray for your setback. Because your setback is going to be good to you if you'll be good to it. See, I'm trying to get you on the other side of thinking about your setback. You've been crying over it, but you really need to start thanking God for it. You've been sad about it, but you really need to start shouting about it. You've been depressed and discouraged about it, but you really need to start saying, thank you, Jesus. Because even though it was a setback, it was really a setup. So watch this. Watch this. I told you to put you through the what? process. Now, the setback was necessary to teach you process because often the journey is more important than the destination. Often the journey is more important than the destination. Your setback will teach you how to maximize where you're at and what you have. Too many people complain about what they don't have rather than maximizing what they do have. If I had this, if I had that, well, you don't. If people would do me right, well, they didn't. Got it? So, in other words, God's telling them, he says, you're going to be in a setback, but God is saying, make the best out of this bad situation. Make the best out of where you find yourself, which means, watch this, I've said this a million times, it's a million one, you can either cuss the darkness out, or you can find the light switch. Watch this, something real simple, but I want you to get it. Uh, a negative is this, right? Negative, negative. It only takes one line down the middle to turn a negative now, that's real simple, right? That's easy. That, that's like, you know, your kids know that. Your two-year-old knows that, right? Here, here's what's interesting, though. Why don't we act like we know that when we're in a setback? It may be negative, but it only takes one move. Uh, today, I came to give somebody your one move to take whatever your negative has been. To give you your one trick, to give you your one move to turn it into a positive. Touch your neighbor and say, this is a setup. This is. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Process. Stay with me, Harvest. It's very foreign to many people because culturally our lives have been about sidestepping process. I'm going to say this again. Now, now, watch this. Process is very foreign to many people because culturally our lives have been about sidestepping process. I noticed something uh, in, in the area around our Royal Campus. I've noticed a ton of gyms going up. Anybody else notice that? It's a gym on every corner. We got more gyms than churches. This is Denver, and that's for that reason have we been sent. But now watch this. I, I asked, I was thinking to myself, I mean, I accidentally drove to a gym the other day. I was like, I thought I was coming to get something to eat, and it's a gym. And 
I, I said, I mean, it, and they registered folk for the gym, and, and there wasn't no equipment in, in there. I mean, it, it was an empty shell, and they out there recruiting people to come to an empty shell. I said, wait a minute. How is it that people are committing contractually to go to a gym, and there's nothing in that building? They don't even, what's this? They are contracting themselves and, and binding themselves to a contractual agreement for the idea of a process. You missed it. There's no equipment in there, so they didn't walk in there and say, well, I like this, I like this, I'm going to do this. It's an empty shell. The building's not even begun construction, yet people were out there signing contracts to be a part of the gym. Bishop, what are you trying to say? I asked myself, why? Watch this. Most people purchase gym memberships for the promise, not the process. I want to look like this, but the truth is I don't want to have to endure the process of looking like that. So I'm going to go yoke myself up for a two-year contract that I'm going to pay on every month. And if I don't pay it, they're going to send you to collections and mess your credit up because you bought a promise, but you didn't want the process associated. All right, since y'all ain't going to say nothing, now I got to work. You should have said something now in 15. I would have left you alone. So a lot of you wonder why your relationships go wrong, ladies. You didn't make that joker go through process. He had you laying down on the second date. That's why he don't respect you. That's why he don't treat you right. He didn't have no process. I wouldn't respect you either that easy. Why buy a cow when the milk comes for free? Oh, y'all don't like that. You better say something to me before I dig some more. You got friends that turn on you and you're trying to figure out how they turn on me. You know why? Because you knew them for 24 hours and they knew your whole life story. You didn't make them go through no kind of process to qualify to be. Somebody shout process. But our whole lives are about sidestepping it. I want to buy a gym membership for the promise. But I ain't really going to go in there and work out. <laughs> I, I like process. Our whole lives are about, well, what's the quickest way to get there? People will go to, to seminars uh, because somebody will tell them, listen, I want to show you how to make money. And they'll fill up hotel ballrooms. Thousands of people will show up because they want this man to tell them how to make money quick. To only get there to discover, they're going to give you a little bit. But the real goal is, I need you to sign up for this plan. And if you sign up for this plan, then you're going to really learn. So people will pay $2,000 thinking they're going to be a millionaire because of somebody else's process. The only place where, uh, watch this, the only place where work comes after success is in the dictionary. And success comes before work. But I know there's a few people in here that discovered it's going to take some W-O-R and some K-N to get to the place I'm headed to. And I've got to deal with. So parents, we don't, we, since y'all ain't saying that, I'm just going to work this here. Y'all just said amen. I'm going to left it on moved on. Parents, we, we often don't make our children go through anything for process. Mama, I want this. Okay. And here's what you do to justify it to yourself. Well, I want to give them what I didn't have. But you didn't understand it was what you didn't have that made you appreciate what you... I think I got a few witnesses in here. 
We didn't have no iPhones. You know what we had? Run down the corner. We didn't have no internet go by it. You know what we had to do? Walk to the store. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. We, we had to deal with process. So when we did get something, we appreciated it because doggone it, we had to walk 15 miles to get it. But now you pick them up, you take them to the store, whatever they want they get, got bad grades. But you feel bad because you cussed them yesterday, so now you abort process. Oh, y'all ain't going to say Come on, you're at Harvest. You got to be real now. Listen, you touch your neighbor and say, you ain't got to be fake here. Yep. If you want to be fake, baby, this is the wrong church for you. Please leave. But if you want to be real and serve a real God that's got some real solutions for your real issues, this is the place for you. So we don't make them deal with process. Make them deal with process. Make them deal with process. At Harvest, to, to serve. Serving is a privilege, not a right. So there's process. This is my last church. I was an elder. That's nice. But there's process. This is the Lord sent me. Great. Well, then that means he sent you to go through process. We thank God for you. But there is process. Why? Because process, listen, process is important because it shows you both your strengths and your weaknesses. Can I tell you what process does? Process introduces you to the real you. Not the you you speaking by faith. The you that you currently are that has to change. It's quiet in here. Okay? When you can go scam the government and get some money, it's got real quiet there. Ooh-wee. Wait a minute. If you can scam the government to get something, no wonder why you'll quit a job and not make it work. Because you figure I did the government will pay me. It's quiet in here, so okay. So let me bust that scam in the government spirit because you won't be faithful and deal with the process of working a job. But they making me do this. Guess what? It's called work. And it, but it's so hard. Reading, writing, and arithmetic is so hard. Say process. Say, thank God for process. Now, let's be honest. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, While we're in process, we don't always enjoy process. I don't know about you, but while I'm in process, (laughs) God talk. This is cold-blooded. But on the other side of process, I say, OMG, IJS, this was good for me. The psalmist said, it was good that I was afflicted, that I might learn. Why is process so important? In Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son, the prodigal son, you know the story of the prodigal son. prodigal son comes to his father. He says, hey, daddy, listen, uh, I want you to give me the inheritance that's due me. Now, here's the issue with him asking for that. You know what he was really saying? I wish you were dead. Because the process to get the inheritance was that the father had to die. So by him wanting to sidestep process, he was really saying, I wish you'd just die. So imagine being the father, sitting there listening to this son, where you didn't raise him, you didn't taught him his ABCs, how to tie a tie, the difference between his hand and his foot, and all of a sudden this Yahoo coming up and you talking about, I really wish you'd die. Oh, really? 
Now, thank God I wasn't the one in the parable. Because that parable would have read a lot differently if it was me in the parable. Don't judge the bishop. I'm just telling you the truth. That story would have been totally different. Oh, you, you what? Shut the door. Oh, I got your inheritance. Come on here. You want to know Jesus? You're going to know him. And the power of his suffering. Oh, because you're getting ready to suffer. Where I come from, they call him. Thank God I wasn't in the Bible. Amen. Watch this. So, so check this. So the prodigal said, listen, I, wish, I really wish you were dead. Give me the, the portion that falls to me. And you know what the father does? The father gives him what he asked for. Uh, point here, sometimes God answers your prayers as a rebuke, not a blessing. The son asked for his inheritance and his father gave him what he asked for. But he didn't give it to him to bless him. He gave it to him to rebuke him. He was saying, son, you want something, but you have not gone through process for it yet. And what's interesting is the prodigal son didn't realize he was in a setback until he was in the pig pen. It wasn't until he was at the lowest point that he even discovered that he had fallen. Sometimes people can be in a setback and not even know they're in a setback because really the rate it took them to fail since it took a little time, uh, it's the boiling frog theory. The boiling frog theory says if I place a frog into cold water and then gently heat it, the frog will die because it will not be aware of the changes that are manifested around them. But if I put that frog in the boiling water, it'll immediately jump out. So if you really look at some setbacks, some setbacks aren't instant. Some setbacks have really been works in progress for decades. So now watch this. this uh, the father gives him what he asks for. He gives him an inheritance. And, and because the son wasn't ready for it, he experiences a setback. Say setback. But remember, every setback when you love Jesus is really a what? Set up. Watch this. Uh, because the son liked the promise of success, but he had to endure the process of success. So what ends up happening, the, he, the son loses everything uh, from, from riotous living, the Bible says. But prodigal, one of the Greek definitions for prodigal means soft and undeveloped. Meaning not processed yet. So, so his setback was in, when his order to process him so that he could be used to do something greater. You missed it. He thought he was something that he wasn't, so his setback had to show him what he was. He thought he had accomplished the level of maturity that he had not. So his setback had to show him how mature he really was. See, what I'm trying to tell you is your setback isn't for your demise. Your setback is for your rise because it's always a setup. Somebody shout, it's a setup. Watch this. From mentoring and, and uh, so many uh, grown folk, I've discovered that many people are really void of process. Many people, many people are really void of process because they want this and this and this, and they want it now. And, and, and as the bishop said last week, because, uh, because we got microwave mentality now, well, everything should just happen real fast. I put the fork in there, and I put the potato in the microwave, and it, there it is. But, but, but I, I saw this thing. I wasn't able to independently verify it, but uh, they showed the difference. Anybody ever uh, boil water in the microwave? Clean me. Don't say no. I've never done that. How you eat that hot dog yesterday? Because you. <laughs> now, why do we do that, y'all? Because it's quicker. But I saw this, this, this story. I haven't been able to independently verify whether or not it's true. But, but I saw this story where they took some water that was boiled the natural process. 
and they took some water that was boiled in the microwave, and they used that water to water plants. And the plant that had the water, they exclusively used that type of water, the plant that had the water that was from the microwave, that plant died. The plant that had the water that was boiled through the normal process lived. You're missing it. They boiled the water, let the water get to room temperature or whatever the appropriate temperature was for the plant, and then they watered the plant. The issue is the one that sidestepped process killed what should have lived. But the one that endured process made what should live, live. I'm here to tell you, you may be in your 70-year process right now, but don't you give up on your process because your process is your setup. And if you abort now, what's this, what's this, what's this, what's this? Your, Your setback demands process from you. Your setback demands process from you. I'm gonna say it again. Your setback demands process from you. The Bible says that the prodigal son, when he's in the pig pen, he came to himself. In other words, the process was performed. And his process was that he had to gain, he had to lose rather in order to gain. You often don't appreciate what costs you nothing. So process makes you appreciate it. How many folks in here, you had to buy your first car? Nobody gave you money for you had to get it on your own. Uh-huh. Do you remember how, how possessive you were? Somebody said, oh, let me drive it. Come on, y'all. Now, there may be a few of you that are very kind and compassionate, but for the rest of us, no. Oh, let me move your car. No, I'll move it. You were in the middle of sleep, and they were trying to help you continue to sleep. But when they said, let me move your car, oh, no, I got it. I get up, I get up, I get up, I got it. You know why? Because it cost you something. So you protected it. You will leave unprotected what you didn't have to pay for. Somebody shout, thank God for my process. I didn't say say it loud. I said shout it. So that's the prodigal son. Now watch this. For Judah, we see that the process was to get all of them. Remember, we're talking about the setback was a setup, and the first thing is to take you through process. Uh, for Judah in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, and you will seek me and find me. You will search for me with all your heart. So this is the perfect segue, because notice it says all your heart. Heart in the Hebrew there, which your Old Testament would be in, is the word leb, which means mind. So he says, you'll search for me with all your mind. What's implied with God saying all your mind is that prior to the setback, he only had part of it. Which takes us to the second point. Takes us to the second point. Your setback is really a setup to do this. To reveal and heal your soul. To reveal and to heal your soul. Before a bounce back manifests around you, it first happens in you. But let's define in you. 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray above all that you may prosper in uh, in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now watch this. Uh, In you is referring to your soul. Say my soul. Your soul is your mind, your thoughts, which really are connected, your will, and your emotions. Watch this. But in 3 John 1, 2, the man of God lays out a mathematical equation. There's the verse. It says, Beloved, I pray above all that you might prosper. Prosper here uh, literally means to be successful. That's the little definition in Greek and Hebrew. It would mean shalom. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, all as well. Leave that verse up for just a moment. It says, beloved, I pray that you would be successful in all things and be in health. 
Watch it. Just as your soul prospers. You, you missed it. Just as makes this verse a mathematical equation. Uh, we, could, we could replace the words just as with equal to. Uh-huh. Okay, watch this. Come on, my mathematicians. So watch this. He says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper, be successful in how many things? How many of them? And be in health. A plus B <laughs> just as equal to. So A plus B equals C. Now, come on, man, Patissa. I know some of y'all getting scared now. You're like, oh, God, I wasn't good at math. Two and two. I don't know. Fourteen. I don't know. Touch your name. Say, stay with Bishop. Beloved. Say, that's me. He says, I pray that you would prosper in all things. So that's your wealth. Because wealth is more than money. Wealth is your ability to be successful. So he says, I pray that you would have wealth and health equal to the condition of your soul. A plus B equals C. I pray that you would have success and that you would be healthy equal to the condition of your soul. Watch this. For some of us, the reason that you go through some of your setbacks is because you're trying to have an A and a B that's not equal to your C. You have a messed up mind, thought, will, and emotions, and you're trying to live a life that is superior to your soul. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? This is the reason why people can win billions, excuse me, millions of dollars in the lottery and in two years be broke. How is it that money didn't fix the problem? Because money wasn't the problem. Because A plus B equals C, which means if C is 10, my A and my B can't be no greater than 5 and 5. 7 and 3, 6 and 4. Two and eight. But so what are you trying to say is that your setback has to reveal what's in your soul. And often God doesn't heal in you what, it, what isn't first revealed to you. Okay. Watch this. Say God, God is, revealing is revealing so he can heal. God has to show you what's really in your soul. Your mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. He has to show you what you really are. Because unless you see it, you can't be healed from it. Yeah, y'all not hear what I'm saying. Uh, so the reason it's a setup uh, is this. is because if God's revealing it to me, it's because he wants to heal it in me. I'm here to tell somebody, stop beating yourself up because you're in a setback. God needed to reveal what's in your mind, what's in your thoughts, what's in your will, and what's in your emotions so that he could heal it. But he couldn't heal it unless he showed you it's still there. Because there are certain things you can think you've conquered and that you're over. And a setback which takes you through process shows you what's really in there. Touch your neighbor and say, what's in your soul? What's in your soul? So watch this. After you cry about your setback, you need to rejoice. Because if he reveals it to you, he wants to heal it in you. Now, can I teach? They say I got 10 minutes left. Can I, can I, can I go and go to fourth gear? Watch it now. It's interesting that all the nations that Judah could have been captured by, that's who we're talking about in Jeremiah 29, that it was by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. So let's deal with this. Babylon comes from the word Babel, which means confusion. Bad situations can often be very confusing. Setbacks can often be very confusing because so many questions begin to arise. Why this? Why that? How come this? How come this? Why this? Why that? Who this? What? what and then that, all the other. Watch this. But the purpose of the question is to get you to see what you wouldn't see otherwise. Setbacks make you ask questions you wouldn't ask if you were in a great place. 
Y'all not hear what I'm saying? Uh, setbacks make you start to reevaluate. well, what is really this? And what is really that? And what is really this? It makes you questions uh, and ask questions. Such a name say, ask questions. Uh, in recent months, I discovered that really, uh, because Babylon means what? I discovered in recent months that many people, I thought a lot of folk were just playing like they were confused. I found out recently many people really are. <laughs> I was like, no, they no, they know, don't they? And I talked to them and be like, oh my God, they don't know. Like, oh, they really don't know. Oh, what's this? It's difficult to bounce back when you don't think you need one. You can be in a setback and not know it because your soul hasn't been revealed to you. Okay, uh, I need y'all to work with me. Uh, there's a story in John chapter 20. Don't flip there. I'll just tell you, I promise you it's there. You can read it in your own time. In John chapter 20, there is one of the apostles, the apostle Thomas. You've heard of Thomas. If you've been in church for any amount of time, uh, they always called him what? Doubting Thomas. You know they call him Doubting Thomas because uh, after Jesus had resurrected, uh, Jesus came just back just like he said. And uh, he had some issues amongst his people. Uh, see, I don't get mad if, 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 if teams I build don't necessarily go the way I want to because even Jesus didn't have 100% success with his team. So if God couldn't have perfect success with his team, well, who am I? You know, I mean, If God had a traitor on his team and a lie on his team and all this kind of stuff, well, then praise the Lord. Amen. Y'all. Don't you be mad about the teams you've built around your life. If, if Jesus didn't have 100% success with the people around him, don't you for one second think you're going to have 100% success with the team around you. Now watch this. But Thomas now, watch this. Thomas, uh, Thomas, uh, they, the, the disciples, the apostles, they run over to Thomas and like, Tom, listen, man, Jesus is back. Just like he said he was. Man, you got to come see him. Jesus, man, he, Jesus got it. He got these white robes on. Jesus, man, no, it's totally different than what he had when he left. Totally different than what he had. No, he got these, these new robes. He got these from uh, Hugo Boss. These are Hugo Boss robes. That's, that's Hebrew for nice and white. <laughs> he got these Hugo Boss robes. He's he, he, some nice robes. He got these robes from Nordstrom's. These are some nice robes. <laughs> These, <laughs> these are from Saks. These are nice robes. Okay. These are nice robes. Jesus got these nice robes, and uh, you got to come see Jesus. Thomas was like, I, I don't believe you. He said, in fact, uh, until I put my hand or my finger in the hole, I don't believe that's him. Wait a minute. You're one of the 12 selected to lead the church, and you don't even believe that he came back like he said he was. Y'all are missing what I'm saying. Y'all are missing what I'm saying. Y'all are missing what I'm saying. Uh, Thomas was still around the apostles, which means he was around spiritual people, but he wasn't spiritual. He was around the church, but he didn't have the church in him because he's sitting there, and they say, Jesus is here, just like he said. And he says, I'm not going to believe it until I can put my fingers in the hole, and that's the only time I'm going to believe that that's actually Jesus. He's one of the apostles. He's one of these guys with power. He's one of these guys that, according to John chapter 20, if he forgives somebody, they're forgiven. If he chooses not to, then the Lord won't forgive him. He's one of these guys. And he says, I, I don't really believe that that's him. I don't really believe that's him. In other words, watch this. He had a setback in his beliefs. He had a setback in his faith. See, you can think your faith is strong until your faith is tested. I think I got some witnesses in here. Won't a setback teach you that sometimes what you thought was strong really wasn't as strong? You can be honest. I, I, I couldn't tell. Uh, sometimes setbacks really revealed to me my faith was nowhere near where I thought it was. Oh, God. 
Oh, God. So Thomas, Thomas is around the apostles, yet he's not spiritual. He's around church, yet the church is not in him. He's saying spiritual things, yet he's not spiritual. And he says, I won't even believe it unless I touch him. So Jesus, you know what Jesus does? Jesus is like, oh, for real. Bring him to me. Tom comes in. Tom comes in, and Tom is like, you wanted to touch? Give me your hand. That is a hole. <laughs> Give me the other hand. That is a hole, too. Let's try this one. That's a hole, too. You want to try my feet, too? You, you, you believe yet? Watch this. Watch this. Look at me, Harvest. Thomas was in a setback and didn't know it until Jesus confronted him to reveal what was going on in his soul. Come on, be a good church. Because your beliefs come from your mind. Your beliefs come from your mind. Therefore, your mind, thoughts, will, and emotions are part of your soul. So unless it's revealed to you, it cannot be healed in you. So he says, Thomas, come here. I'm not mad at you. I just need to show you that you're in a setback and don't know it. Because you didn't even believe me. Your faith was weak and you didn't even know it. So I needed to show you what you were really working with. Okay, watch this. Here's what makes it interesting. And then we're going to go to the third point and I'm going to close. Here it is. Thomas's name means double. Come on, enough of y'all. That, that don't do nothing for you. Thomas's name, which in the Greek is Didymus, it means double or twin. Watch the word. Let not a double-minded man suppose that he shall receive anything from the Lord. But so what are you trying to say? Jesus needed to reveal to Thomas that, Thomas, you're double-minded, and that's why your life is the way it is. It's because on Monday you believe me, on Tuesday you don't. On Wednesday you're a Christian, on Thursday you're not, and I can't work with you with two of you. So God needed to reveal to Thomas that he was double. He was double-minded. One comment was faith. The next comment was doubt. One comment was the Lord is going to do it. The next comment was, I don't know. One comment was, I believe in Jesus. The next comment was, well, if God is real. So the Lord needed to reveal to Thomas that he was double. Can I take it another further harvest? Can I take it another further harvest? We're talking about how Babylon meant confusion. Thomas was double, and God needed to reveal to him that he was really confused, that he was really two different people. He had two different mindsets about the situation. And let me tell you this. Watch this, because some of y'all are still trying to get this double thing. Let me, let me prove it to you. You ever had somebody that was your friend in June? Your greatest fan in June, but, but in July, all of a sudden they took a trip to stupid world and crazy land. Yeah, ain't nobody ever had that? I mean, y'all were like, this here in June. Then July, I don't know, just random months I'm giving out. And then in July... Okay. All right. You ever had somebody that was for you on Monday? And by Wednesday, they were the lead witness against you? 
Okay, so y'all got that. Okay, y'all got that. You ever had somebody singing your praises on Sunday? And by Thursday, you were the reason they're going through hell? Not them. Not them. You. So you see it now? You see the double? You see the double? Okay. So the problem is when you're dealing with double is you don't know which one you're dealing with. So you may have spoken. Watch this. You may have said, well, we had a good conversation. You had a good conversation with B. You weren't talking to A. So until B shows back up, A don't know about the conversation you had with B. Okay, y'all let go hear what I'm saying. That's why you can get an understanding with people and be like, aren't we on the same page? Oh, yes, we are. And then walk out of the meeting. You'd be like, how is it that we're not on the same page? Because I wasn't talking to A. I'm talking to B. And when you left out the room, you, you changed back into A. Because your Thomas is two of y'all up in there. All right, I got to move. I got more. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with this at the 915. I'll get you in the 915. Uh, so let me just go on, on to point number three. I got some more there because Babylon means confusion, but you need to know what Nebuchadnezzar means. They were conquered by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. I'll tell you about that next experience. All right, what's this? Number three, the setback was a setup for you to get your lessons. I came up in the South. In the South, uh, they say to me, come on here, boy, come on and get your lessons, which just meant come on here and do this homework and get your studying. Because you ain't finna be like uh, little so-and-so and this and that and this and that. You finna go somewhere. And so while they out there playing and doing this and doing this and doing that, you come on over here and get these lessons. I need to tell some of you, 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 you're in a perplexing place in life because the Thomas in you wants to go out here and play. But God is like, come on in this house and get your lessons. The Thomas is in you, but let me just have one more drink. Oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. But, 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 but God is like, boy, get in here and get your lessons. Y'all, y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Part of you is like, I want to act a fool, but God is like, you, I paid too much of a price for you to sit up here and act like a fool. You better come on in here and get your God has paid too heavy of a price to let you act a fool out there. So they say, so they say, come on in here, boy, get your lessons. No, you can't go with Tim. You can't do that with Tim. You can't hang. I know he lived next door. No, you can't go over there. No, you can't talk to him because you need to come in here and get your lessons. How far your neighbor say, come get your lessons. So watch it. Here it is. I got to close. Psalm 119, 71. The psalmist, this is the longest chapter of the Bible, Psalm 119. I'll work it better at the next experience. Psalm 119, verse 71. Look at what it says. They're going to put it up for you. Psalm 119, verse 71. There you go. Y'all got it. Come on. Here it is. No, 71. 7 and the 1. 119, colon, 7 and the 1. Amen. There you go. Y'all got it. Watch this. Look what the psalmist says. It's good for me that I've had a setback that I might learn. Come on in here and get your lessons. It's good that they betrayed you, that you might learn. It's good you lost the job, that you might learn. It's good they took the house, that you might learn. It's good they took the car, that you might learn. High five somebody say, get your lessons. The most, I got to wrap this up here. The most paramount of questions is what has your setback taught you? Lessons that aren't recorded produce tests that are repeated. 
Watch this. Uh, there are some things that we pray away. There are other things that we just need to put away. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke like one, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Watch it. Paul didn't say, I prayed that the spirit of the child left me. No, you know what he said? He said, it's time for me to do what men do. It's time for me to handle business. It's time for me to stop running. Let me speak to the runners up in here. That seems to be a Denver thing. I curse the spirit of runner. And I rebuke it and bind it and send it back to hell from where it came from. If you keep running, I got news for you. It's going to follow you. It's going to chase you down. You better turn around and confront whatever you're sitting up running from and deal with it because that setback was just a setup. You might move, but you're going with you. You might change jobs, but you're going with you. You might get a new house, but you got to go too. And so watch this. Some things you pray away. Some things you just put away. Your step back teaches you what to put away. The psalmist, he says, I, I, I got to move, but verse 66, Psalm 119, verse 66. Can I just finish this out? I, I got so much more I got to give you. I'll give it to you the next one. Psalm 119, verse 66. He says, teach me your good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. I believe. What's that? Soul. Mindset. Verse 67. Before I had a setback, I acted a fool. That's the Bishop Foreman translation. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. He said, I was acting crazy, and then you gave me a setback. <laughs> That's why you shout about it. Because God says, you're acting a little strange. You're acting a little brand new. You acting like you gave yourself that breakthrough. You acting like you gave yourself that. So let me show you something. Come on in the house, boy, and get your lessons. Have, have somebody say, get your lessons. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. But now, when? After the setback, which was really a setup. Verse 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes of your word. Watch this. God's not bad just because your setback is. Don't you judge God by your setback. I'm here to tell you, if you're in your worst valley, he's still good. If you didn't feel like getting up this morning, he's still good. If you felt like throwing in the towel, he's still good. Even if you got bitterness running through your veins, he's still good. Even if you're not sure how you're going to pay August rent and you already worried about it, it ain't here. He's still. Even if you're not sure how you're going to make it through the end of this week, he's still. Your set might be bad, but your God, he is. Look at verse 69. He says, the proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Now, notice he says the proud, which means he doesn't identify with himself with the proud, which means his setback humbled him. His setback said, thaw down. His setback gave him a lesson. His setback said, stop judging other people because you've been faithful for two months. Stop condemning other folk because you know four Hebrew words Bishop taught you. And don't even know how to pronounce them right. <laughs> Anybody had to go through the, the where, where, where life has to humble you? And here's what humbling is. See, it's not humbling if you never had nothing and you keep having nothing. Humbling is, had something. Setback came, didn't have it no more. 
all of a sudden you ain't walking around so haughty like you must not have them because you're no all of a sudden you're like I'm just glad they let me in the door Whew, I'm just glad I get to come and worship I'm just glad he still cares how do I know he cares because he rebuked when he stops rebuking he stops caring so I need him to tell I need him to give me a lesson because it's proof he still loves me. It's proof he still cares. It's proof he ain't gave up on me yet. Verse 70, their heart is fat as grease, but I will delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. That I might learn. <laughs> I'm through because I have to be. <laughs> Say, it's been good for me, good for to, have to have a setback. I'm getting my lessons. So here's the real practical application. Note takers, write this down. If you're not taking notes, just please act like you're writing it down. If you just ain't going to do either one, please, uh, you know, Amen. Just look down then. So it makes me think you're looking at some notes. I ain't going to do all that. Set, it sure is. And you're going to have one. Sure is. You better write this stuff down. Or at least act like you're writing now, it. Now watch this. Watch this. Write this down. Say, record my lessons. Write that down. You, the Lord is real interesting because he'll, he'll sometimes, um, once you think you've conquered something, He'll sometimes send it back to you to say, let's test if you got your lessons. The only way I know you learned your lessons is to test the lessons. That's why certain people that left your life about a year ago this time. And, and I'm talking to somebody, but somebody who reminds you. I ain't talking to everybody. It's maybe four of y'all I'm talking to. That, that reminds you of them has re-entered your life? And you're like, wow, this is interesting. Can I announce to you, perhaps it is God saying, I need to test if you got the lesson last year. Because if you didn't, we're going to put this DVD on repeat. And as I close, I just think there's some people in here that say, I'm not interested in repeating that lesson again. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn. And now that I've learned, watch me record my lessons and watch me walk out my lessons because my setback was really my... Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. It's intern, Sean. Celebrate the coziest season with Safeway. They're bringing all the fall flavors to you. From pumpkin everything to caramel apples and all of your seasonal favorites. Make the most of those fireside dinners, game-winning touchdowns, and warm family gatherings. Visit your neighborhood Safeway today or shop online for easy pickup or delivery. They're here to help you spice, season, and savor every moment. Sincerely, Safeway.